Welcome to the Hunting for Purpose podcast, the official podcast home for all human design manifestors. I'm your host, Holly Marie, a 4-6 clinic manifester, a certified human design teacher, and a manifester who is following her own creative urge to facilitate a thriving global community of aligned, powerful manifestors. Wherever you are at in your manifester journey, or even if you are here just because you love a manifester and you want to understand them a little bit more, this podcast is the place for you. Stick around for in-depth teaching, for real-life practical tips and understandings of the manifester journey, and how to become aligned and powerful and thriving as a manifester. You are here for global impact. You are here to change the world. The time is now. The journey is yours. This podcast is your home. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Hunting for Purpose podcast. This episode, we haven't even started recording yet, and I'm already completely psyched. I'm completely jazzed and feeling like all of the electricity for the episode that is about to come. Uh, we have on our podcast here today the incredible Vanessa Henry. Welcome, Vanessa. Hello. Thank you. I feel like that was so jazzed up. Now I'm feeling a bit sheepish. I'm like, <laughs> hi. <laughs> I'm here, everybody. Hi. Yeah. I mean, I, I fully receive though. Let me tell you. Yes. <laughs> so good. So most of you will know Vanessa, right? A lot of people in my space already follow Vanessa. Of course, she is an incredible manifester, a 6-2 ego manifester. Um, and somebody that I have just had so much joy, so much joy watching uh, the embodiment of your energy and the way that you show up with it. I find that ego manifestors when they're in alignment are just so mysterious and so kind of Ooh. magical right like <laughs> mysterious. Right? mysterious people say that to me as a splenic manifest but I'm like nah you gotta watch the ego manifestors like that's mm -hmm. that's really <laughs> yeah. where it's at you know yeah. they're juicy yeah. um yeah. so for the people who are not aware of who you are and what you do Vanessa can you introduce yourself a little what's your design how did you come and do the, the human design rabbit hole and what work did it lead you to doing yeah my story with human design begins um, around 2013 when i found a book it had the word human and design on it i liked those words and for no other reason than just liking those words um took it home read only the stuff about me uh, found out I was an ego manifester and I, I felt some kind of way about that. Uh, at that time, I didn't learn anything about profile. Uh, I didn't know anything about being a 6'2". I didn't go into anything to get context. I was just kind of reading it. At, I, I remember it had recently been um, December 12th, 2012. And it was this 12-12-12 portal. And I had all these studies out and I lived alone. And I was in this like, finally, this kind of like thriving time of my, my youth, you know? And I wasn't, I wasn't ready for that at the time. I was too young for human design. In my personal opinion, I was still really traumatized from my uh, experiences as a third line or sixth line operating like a third line. And after that, I met my partner. My life really started to weirdly shift in a line as these things can happen, whether we are realizing it or not. And I had a child and then went into a phase of in human design called going on the roof where my experiences 
started to become heavy and I needed to kind of look at them in a different type of way in order to come to a place of peace inside, to be honest. And so at the time I was, um, I, I was, I've been an online entrepreneur for a long time, but I was a freelance writer and had a blog where I was talking a lot about self-care and being a new mom and everything like that and got into human design. And I had been kind of big in astrology and crystal healing and frequency healing, and then went into human design. And as somebody who has comes with a lot of leftness and a lot of focused energy, I did really get quite focused in it, started talking about it a lot, um, creating energy around it. And I started to record my translations of how I was understanding material. And I put them online and people were able to subscribe to it to reference it. And this little this little project became a machine and it started to grow and it became this human design academy. And meanwhile, it was getting bigger than I could handle. I was starting to go on the roof. There were f- immense flaws in it. Um, things I was being forced to respond to that I didn't want to respond to, promises I couldn't keep up, all this sort of um, crashing and breaking away as the third line can go into a sixth line type of experience and burned it all down, <laughs> burned it all down was like, you know what? I, it doesn't feel good and I'm here to feel good. So I burned it all down. And in that process, put my human design expression in an app with others. Uh, that app is called spacious. There are seven other creators and we, put our tools and things that we use for our own personal awareness and our interpretations of embodied human design. We create shows and entertainment. And then I just started to feel really uncomfortable in the human design sphere and charging directly. And, you know, as you, as you learn about energetics, I started to just really become torn and became a recluse. Like I'm very transparent, but I'm also very private. So yeah, hearing you say I'm mysterious. I'm like, yeah, there's my little two line. <laughs> Uh, it's gorgeous. and it's long monologue that I'm going on right now. But yeah, um, it, what do you do? Well, let me tell you my entire life story. Uh, whatever. That's that's the that's the energy I'm showing up with today. That's a little bit about my story. Holly asked me to come here, and I was just like, "Yes, let's just chat and hang out." And now I need you to know everything about me. <laughs> you know, I love this so much, and I loved I loved you saying you burnt it all down because I think that is such a universal manifestor experience I mean I I have burnt down so many things so many amazing things um and I think that we all kind of experience this at least in part of our journey we experience this kind of embarrassment or shame about that like oh I did I did something really naughty I did something really bad that I built this thing and and then I burnt it down because I didn't want it anymore it seems almost selfish right to do or that. you know it crossed it it was from a time where i didn't know certain things and now those things don't resonate with me i don't mm-hmm. believe in them anymore i don't feel connected i feel in, in fact con- remaining with them is making me feel untrue to myself and ultimately mm-hmm. i think it's that contortion of of not being true to yourself that that is what causes a sort of self implosion in the manifesto where we we just we have to get ourselves out of there have to yeah I agree to me to me it's a a mechanical experience of making energetic space right if totally if we can't sustain if our energy is not aligned with sustaining not that we can't do it we can force ourselves to do it but if our energy is not most in alignment with sustaining 
then we need to drop what we have in order to make that vacuum of space for something else. I think it's just so against the social archetype to do that. And certainly when we bring in conversations about success in that entrepreneurial space, it's like, oh, you built this thing and it's thriving and it's making money. Like, how could you drop that? How could you burn it? Why wouldn't you sell it? Why wouldn't you get someone else to sustain it? Oh man. Yeah. I have, yeah, this is like a a reoccurring pattern in my fucking life. Let me tell you. I, um, when I was in my really early twenties, I had a magazine with a, a group of young entrepreneurs and this magazine started growing and, and was getting accolades and it, which it just became too big and, and we weren't paying anybody. Everything was, was um, for free and because it's all like a project, but it looked so well done that it was like people assumed it had money. Mm-hmm. And then we just, they, the team just stopped doing it. And I was like, why aren't we selling this thing? Like this, this thing is valuable. And now looking back as the ego manifester, I could totally see what, you know, I was going through there. But then now with my academy, this was, this was something that was making five figures a month and I didn't really have to do anything. And my partner and I, when I told him I was going to shut it down, he was like, you know, I'm really admire you for that. Mm. And I was like, why? He's like, because it works. And you could just back away and let it run and do its thing, but it's not feeling good for you. And you're choosing to, you know, wreck a good thing, essentially. He's like, don't get me wrong. Like, he's like, I admire it. He's like, but I don't understand it at all. (laughs) And he's like, I would just let it go. Right. I just let it keep it generate. I'll just keep it running. And I was like, but like my heart's not in it anymore. Mm. And for me, as somebody who presents like as my authority and the way I present through life is I move through life with a sense of assuredness that when I'm not sure, when that self-assuredness wavers, I really pay attention to it and notice it because it's not common for me. It's not my natural state. So it feels off. So when all of a sudden I'm not, my heart's not in it anymore, well then like I'm already gone. Mm. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm already, it's already gone. Um, and that, that people often don't understand that. I I'd go as far as saying for the longest time, I didn't understand it either. I think any defined heart really kind of relates to that. The ego manifester somewhat just lives by it, like can't do anything else but that. Mm. Otherwise we can become incredibly self-destructive and destructive to everyone around us because we're, we're, we're exploding inside with no release. Yeah, absolutely. I am, I'm splenic, but I have my spleen, my throat and my ego defined in a single definition. So, right. Like, like vibe moving. Um, And, you know, for me, I very much resonate with that, uh, that sense of if I, I am not present in this, like I don't desire it. I'm not motivated by this. And therefore it's, it's not within, in my space of integrity, to remain doing this totally. regardless of how much money it's making or it, the how money much has nothing it. to do with it nothing at all right but for some people that's the whole thing right but it's like look i will always figure out how to make money i know how to take care of myself i will i'll go do something i will figure out how to make money because the way i innately look out at the world is i see that when i look at something i see what's valuable about it i see the value in it so no matter what i'm doing by just living my lifestyle, I'll find a way to make exchanges through my lifestyle to support myself and my family. I may want to get crafty and build entities and machines to to see how, you know, with to apply what I've learned from these past mistakes. But if it doesn't feel right, I do not owe it to anybody to keep it up or keep it going. You know, that's not, no. 
not that what we're here defined to do. ego is so resourceful, so resourceful. I think that people totally. often, you know, reflect on it as like, oh, that's the place of motivation and discipline and competition. But really it's like, it's value. It's worth driven. Totally. It's resource driven. I mean, it's, it's a heck of a, a push, you know, and I only have yeah. like a taste of it. It's one part of my triangle for you. That's, that's such a mm-hmm. significant part of your embodiment. And it's really, really beautiful to watch. I know Thank you. you're welcome. We we saw you, really, those of us who, who follow you, we saw you throughout last year, through 2021, very much going to the two-line hermit, right, and, and yeah, by, pull away, <laughs> take yeah. your space for long, a long, long period of time. Um, mm. and, and prior to that, you had really been uh, kind of this wider scope human design teacher, right, teaching yeah. kind of the, the wider human design te- system, teaching it from your perspective and in your unique way. Then you disappeared for a long, long time and really came back out with this like deep passion and focus on environment and the variables. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. to me, it seems like you're very much bringing a new narrative to that, bringing a Mm -hmm. new understanding, looking at those things as not just qualities, but embodiment, right? That this is a space of development and expansion and growth rather than just label application like can happen in so many systems. What you know, I would actually, I would like a, I would like an opportunity to talk about that actually because go for it, please, yeah. <laughs> as I jump right in here, um, because this just has so much to do with my own story and you know why environment, why variable, why this concept of alignment. You know, this is something that's just already happening. Um, if we're just living correctly, we have to notice it, and and that's the whole point. These are markers that we can kind of look for to take better care of ourselves, and. This is a story that I tell and it sort of takes a mammoth amount of expansion to hold the concept because it doesn't already, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense in reality. Um, and it's a story of losing my dad to cancer and being a child and watching him being in that intense environment, growing up in hospitals with surrounded by death and then watching him die. I remember looking at him where he's, you know, forgotten to put his clothes on, he's forgotten to eat, he's forgotten to, his, his mind is just not working. And I'm this 10, 11 year old child looking at him, not understanding what's happening. And I remember sitting there looking, wanting to understand, wanting to feel it in my body to know what he was feeling. We had a really deep bond. We were both six lines. He was a four, six. And when he passed away, I would dream about having cancer. I would dream about it, dream about it, dream about it. What was he feeling? What was that like? How could he, how could that have happened? And by the time I got to high school, I had been diagnosed with a completely unrelated cancer to him. And it was a giant tumor in my entire chest cavity, my undefined G center, and it metastasized a part of my heart. And once it hit the heart, we found it because <laughs> that's where shit happens in this body and body was kind of like that's enough of that we need to deal with this now but i do hold the hold space for this narrative that i wonder how much of my energy created that experience for me being placed in an environment like that being a powerful energetic like that how powerful are these bodies and consciousnesses actually and it led me into human design from the, for the concept of studying tumor development in uh, undefined centers and how, you know, I just had a personal interest because I had so much cancer around me 
And I remember being sick and sitting in my hospital bed and having the moment being attached to all these machines and pinned there, not able to go anywhere. And I remember looking out the window and I remember deciding to live. I had just lost another little child. All the kids were you know, dying on, on the children's ward. And I decided, I found the will to live and I was angry. I was angry this was happening. I find anger to be such a sacred um, emotion that is really just getting your attention because what's beneath it is grief. Anger is connected to grief. And going through that and finding human design to have a language to understand what has happened um, gave me a piece that will last a lifetime, truly. Being able to understand that story just from that lens to, to even hold the possibility of it being true because it was something that didn't make sense. How could these two people in this family get two unrelated cancers? How could this happen to this family? And it's just, it's just an awful tragic story that I was going to have to heal on the roof, obviously. And with somebody in the undefined G center, somebody with a right environment variable, making me an observer environment, having a very receptive body, body that pulls things in, have a body that all the undefined activity makes the reflector body, a body that is very sensitive to the environment as all bodies are. But I feel it in an almost exasperated way because the rest of me is very focused. So when I look at my environment, I find it to be a very inspiring place. And when I look at people who are not aligned or are struggling, I always see that it's the environment. And human design puts all this emphasis in the early studies on determination and how to feed yourself. However, if you're in an unsupportive environment, there's nothing available for you to eat. So Ra's later work explores environment with a little bit more depth saying, hey, these are the independent variables on the bottom and these top two variables are dependent on the lower ones. So your determination is dependent on the environment, which just makes me think, well, why aren't we all looking at environment? (laughs) Why aren't we talking about what environment is? It's this is a much deeper concept than human design penetrated. Human design says that. This is about who you take in in your environment. The people that fill the space around you are are affecting you immensely, just as you are affecting them. Why are we not talking about that more? Why are we not considering that? And now that we've been separated and you know, through all this stuff going on in the world and, and being forced to isolate, our relationship with environment has changed. And we are all more, a little bit more aware. So to me, it feels like the time to be talking about this and exploring the, the spaces around us, which ultimately led me to designing spacious. <laughs> That's where that came from, you know? And I don't know if people will get it, if it how it all fits together, but as I continue putting uh, energy into it, I, I think they'll start to see. They'll get it eventually, like all manifesto initiations, right? I think. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> I, I have, I feel like it's a distinct, privilege in my position kind of being a facilitator to a community of manifestors to see the wide variety of ways that these energies come through us and and initiate into something and I think uh, for many of us often at the time we think it's a very uh like limited story right we think it's like oh I just felt this urge and so I've gone in this direction and initiated this thing but actually there's tethers there's 
fabrics that are moving us through timelines and stories and experiences. And I love the way that you articulate that whole thing. It's so line six on the roof. Like, let me take two, 20 steps back here, look at this whole picture <laughs> and see how this whole yeah. thing came together and then I'll feel yeah. good about what I'm How I'm much really time do you have? <laughs> That's correct. Down. Yeah, I know. It's so annoying. It's so it's so egoic, but it's like you know what? It's it's also fun for me, so whatever. Oh no, I love it. Whatever, I'm here to have a good time. Yeah, I'm here for it. I'm so good. Can we dig into a little bit more that that concept of uh, kind of biomechanics and how energy or or unaligned energy can show up in the body as illness, as disease? Um, I know that you've kind of touched on briefly in your social media a few times about having also a history of, of heart issues, right? The, you know, the cancer that affected your heart, but also mm-hmm. ongoing issues that occurred from that. Um, biomechanically, that makes a whole lot of sense as an ego manifester that your, you know, your heart is connected to that space. So of course there's going to be energetic issues there when that's not being used in alignment. Um, I have an incredibly similar story incredibly similar but I would, I would love to hear it oh do you want to would you <laughs> I would love to hear it me. Okay. I would love I mean so. how do we talk to each other as manifestors can you tell it no I would love to hear it well I would love to tell it oh well let's do it yeah oh my god it's so good <laughs> but so, I would love to hear it yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I I was diagnosed with a rare liver condition at 14 um okay for me as a splenic manifester obviously once I came into human design I really began to understand the energetic pathways of that um, that your liver exists on your hepatic line which runs through your gallbladder your liver and your spleen they all talk to each other Um, and I, I you know I came from a family history of autoimmune disorders all kind of very inexplicable uh just grown out of nowhere and so I was kind of cast into that basket of like it's genetics you just (laughs) your time's up. Like you just just had, you know, genetic predisposition to this. However, what I was experiencing was that I, I had the most extreme, the most severe and the most rare of autoimmune conditions out of my entire family history. And there was no reason for that. Right. I hadn't, I hadn't had any kind of previous trauma I didn't you know have any major illnesses you know during my early childhood years my immune system hadn't been compromised at any point really except that I was living in trauma right my whole childhood was sexual trauma emotional trauma Um, my family was very volatile very violent Um, I had a number of you know sexual perpetrators and it was constant that was constant Mm -hmm. and you know, I remember at 14, like I just, I just suddenly went into liver failure. It was very quick. It was very, very fast. You know, I remember being at school and just one day feeling like, gosh, I'm cold. Like I can't, I can't get warm. And I was sitting on the basketball court in the sun. I mean, Australia, it's hot, right? We're never not hot. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was sitting on this black tarmac of a basketball court and shivering and my hands were white and I was thinking something's wrong with me I don't understand what's going on here thank goodness my mother was a nurse and uh, she's a manifesting generator she pushes walls down her conscious son is gate 34 she's like (laughs) she's a force to be reckoned with which has had its 
issues, but also really worked in my favour in this particular scenario. Um, and she pushed me through the system. She pushed me to doctor, to doctor, to doctor and said, no, I don't accept that nothing's wrong. No, there's something happening with my daughter until, you know, eventually it was determined, oh, you're, for some reason you're in liver failure. You, your liver is just dying. And it took, it took about two years to get an official diagnosis hundreds and hundreds of tests, a lot of hospitalizations. Really, they were just kind of trying to keep me alive during that diagnosis period, yep. um, which is a, an awful feeling, a really awful mm -hmm. feeling. Um, and I recall that moment, of, you know, I love hearing you speak about that moment of lying in the hospital bed and making that decision to say this is, I, you know, I, I'm going to outlive this. Mm -hmm. I survived this. And I had a, an almost exactly mirror experience sitting in my doctor's office with my gastroenterologist who turned out to be a man that was going to be in my life for the next 25 years and see me have babies. And I went to his retirement party mm -hmm. and, you know, um, <laughs> we sat in his office at, you know, I was 15 by that stage. And he said, he was talking to my mother and he said, it's autoimmune hepatitis. It's a 50% fatality rate. Most people don't survive this. If she's lucky, she'll get to 21 and if she's really, really lucky, she might have one child. And I remember just distinctly kind of like freeze frame on that moment and getting so righteously angry that in my mind, I was like, how dare you tell me this is going to kill me? I, I do not accept that. Mm -hmm. I don't take it. I will survive. I'll decide what kills me. Correct. <laughs> yeah, <you know? laughs> Correct. I was like, throw it at me, mate. But like, this is not going to be the thing that takes me out. And, you know, a, a lot of people have asked me over the years, like, oh, it's a really inspiring story. And, you know, how do you think you survived that? And I've always said it was timing. Like I was an arrogant teenager. Mm -hmm. I was a 15 year old girl. I now understand I'm a manifesto with a defined ego. Like, I was not going to be told about my mortality from a gray-haired man behind a desk. That was not ever going to be the way this thing went down. But I did have 18 years of immense suffering with that disease. And uh, I spent 18 years on chemotherapy. I had, you know, bouts of high-dose corticosteroids. I was in and out of hospital. Um, I missed almost my entire adolescence to that. Um, yeah. And eventually got into energetics work, really began to understand, even before human design, really began to understand that intuitive voice and start shifting my life around that, which was my Saturn return, right? Like my whole life crumbled and I rebuilt it from this place of this is what intuitively feels correct to me. I'm going to follow this weird, ambiguous, unpredictable voice within me and I'm going to see where it ends up and, and uh, kind of, um, unintentionally over that process, my disease stopped. It just hmm. vanished. It vanished. Um, in medicine, Western medicine, we call it burning out. And, and it has no cause, no, no meaning, no understanding to it. Um, and then I had to spend another two years undergoing dozens and dozens of tests because then the chemotherapy that I'd been taking for 18 years was making me sick. Uh, all of a sudden, mm -hmm. right? And so I, I then became one of 4% of people globally to survive this disease. Um, wow. And to my understanding, I'm the only person 
known to medicine to have this disease and have had three successful pregnancies and then come out as one of the 4%. And so it's, you know, it's very, it's wow. really curious for me to like look back at that journey and see there's, there's a real consequence for not following that energetic frequency that is within you. And, and I don't see it as a punishment. I just, I think it's very much like no, my no, line yeah. six has nothing, experience. Has nothing to do with punishment. Yeah. yeah. It's just, it's just, this is what happens to these forms mm-hmm. um, and the formless part of you when they're not in alignment. That's just, it's just mechanics. It's just, it's literally just, that's a, that's a, just a scientific thing. If we're going to put something that it is not a suitable environment for it, it's going to die. Mm-hmm. That's, that's just what happens. That happens in biology. Um, so what's going to happen to it when we put it somewhere that supports it and it thrives, right? Some pretty miraculous things, like, like hard to believe things, mm-hmm. like becoming part of an incredibly rare statistic. Uh, I too was, I was not supposed to, I wasn't there. I was told no kids um, just for the size of my tumor. We had to radiate my face to my pelvis. So it was like, intense chemotherapy that I later learned was too severe. We don't need to do that intense because there was all these consequences to the body after like infertility and then radiation to, you know, kind of fry it. And they said like no kids. And I was kind of like, honestly, I was kind of okay with that. It was kind of shocking, but I was so young that it was like, okay, well, I don't know that I want them. So I, I mean, there's lots of ways to have children. So, you know, I'll I'll be, that's not going to be something that kind of slows me down kind of thing. Um, I have one child and I had one and I was like, that's enough. <laughs> and I'm done. I do not need to try anymore. <laughs> but um, yeah, delivery was, was very hard. I, I almost passed away in delivery. Uh, it was very traumatic, very hard on the body uh, for me with a, so I had some heart things, went into heart failure during delivery. Um, yeah, it was intense and really traumatic for my partner as well. Um, but interesting, similar story to you, I was told that my tumor was just going to be a deadened mass in the body based on how we were treating it. And it would kind of always be there because we were asking like, well, can you go and cut it out? Like, and it's like, no, we, we wouldn't do this, like open your chest cavity and cut all around your organs because it's suffocating all the organs. Like it's not, it's, it's no, it's not, we're not doing that. Um, but you will have this deadened mass. And I remember it was two years after remission when I went back um, I had to go for six month follow-ups and of my two year follow-up, I had to do this particular scan and there was no residue. There was no tumor. There was no mass. And then I had to go for a bunch of other tests to figure out, well, why is there no mass? Because there's supposed to be a mass here forever. How did the body eat the mass? I remember mm-hmm. a doctor saying that. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I don't know that they would find that they might find that out, but I think if you have the will, you can make pretty incredible things happen for yourself. The yeah. ones, honestly, or the spaces that are are um, around you that you affect. Mm, yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, even my my liver after the disease, disease burning out. Of course, I, you know, I had to go through scans and biopsies and MRIs and all yeah. the things. And my my liver presents as a perfectly normal liver, no scarring, no evidence at all that there this was is ever anything going on with my heart. Right. It's what's going on with my heart. I used to have all these heart issues. Um, was I was born with a murmur, which was not related to anything with cancer. That went away. 
um, had a cardio myopathy, had all these, these intense things going on with the heart. And then just through like, I don't even know if it's just sheer will <laughs> really, um, my, and, and since, since actually moving and relocating to where I live now, I moved last year. Uh, my heart rate is dropping. I have a very, very high resting heart rate and it's, it's dropping and I'm not working out or being more physical. I'm not, I'm literally just eating well and resting and all these things are happening. It's pretty, it's pretty mind boggling. And so because of the changes that I've been going through, it, it's sort of empowering to me. It makes me want to like tell people about it. You know, it's like, this is, this doesn't make sense how this is happening. We, we, there's so much we don't know. Like, look what our little fucking bodies went through. These little bodies, they survived that. They went through that intense trauma and they're still here and they're doing amazing things. What do we not understand here? Mm-hmm. Let's just accept there's something we don't understand. We are, but you were telling us it's energy. You were telling us not to look in the microwave. You were telling us not to do, you know, all these weird things we didn't understand. And now we're understanding that bodies emit energy. Oh, well, then there are, might be other bodies that I'm around that aren't good for me or other spaces I could be around that aren't good for me. A little, um, a little thing that just happened recently to me was um, a girlfriend of mine was, was diagnosed with IBS and She's like, so I can't have avocado and beans. And I was just like, so you're meaning to tell me like avocado and beans are quote unquote healthier, unhealthy foods. Like, no, there's no universal thing. That's, that's a good food or a bad food or a fucking superfood. Your body has specific things it needs. This body has specific things it needs that body. And this body can't have nuts. This body can't have avocado. This body likes to have every fucking thing juiced. Like we just have to figure out what the body likes. And all this information out there is like valuable to go try on and learn to try it to see if it works, but if it doesn't to let it go. And then discover that for yourself as a way of taking care of yourself to get yourself so aligned to get yourself so empowered because it literally you your own body can eat a tumor. How does that happen? Your own body can restore its failing liver. How does this fucking happen? Like really? It's a mystery. It's a genuine mystery. And, and, uh, I find it a beautiful mystery. I think it's an incredible Gorgeous. nod, you know, right to the depths of systems like human design and, and PHS. And, and there are wow. other systems, right? There are other places with other language. I just think that, um, you know, in agreement with you, that environment has become really important. I think these kind of deeper pockets in human design after the last couple of years, admittedly, like getting into the third year of the paradigm shift, right? We're starting to oh, yeah. move into these kind of like kind of murky corners and saying, mm-hmm. Ooh, all right, it's time to look in here. It's time to see mm-hmm. what I can unpack and what language I can have. And, um, you know, I often say to people, like, if you get it, look into phs especially if you're a parent try to look at your children oh my god oh just reflect on your children right because you are so in tune with your children's physical needs and physical responses almost to the detriment of your own awareness of yourself Mm -hmm. you will see it in your kids and it will give you this appreciation of we are all completely unique individuals right there is not one universal rule, one universal environment, one universal diet type that is going to suit for all of us. And I think in a lot of ways, you know, doing that with my kids has made me feel freer as a parent, at least. Way right? freer. Way, yeah, and way like, freer. I don't have to make all the rules. I don't have to determine the best way forward for them because they already know it, right? I've got totally. like 
I have a 4-6 emotional projector, a 6-2 sacral generator, and a 4-6 emotional manifester. Kid, I got sixes, but six, 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 sixes oh, yeah. everywhere. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah a whole yeah, group yeah. of sixes. My husband is a 4-6 mm-hmm. planet projector. So, wow. you know, I think I've come to understand the value of, you know, we as bodies, as human bodies and souls in these meat suits for this experience, we actually know what we're about. We know what we mean. We know what's going on. We just have to kind of stop stop the noise and stop shoving things in to our space to try and make it work. And the noise can be so loud that it's we sometimes can't hear ourselves. So we can't hear the way for ourselves. We can't hear and and you know that's that's the sign to unplug. That's a sign to look at your environment. Look at what you're consuming. And consuming is not just food. You know, consuming is what are you taking in? What news are you taking in? What social media are you taking in? What books are you taking in? What clothing are you taking? What are you consuming? You know, you that there's more to eating than food. There's more to environment than your house. You know, these these things have have depth, but human design kind of interestingly like goes surfacely and says like quick information about it but it's enough to allow you to go find the depth but human design says we have we do need to go find the depth here mm. it's there but it, you know we we just need narratives and stories and to kind of communicate the depth so ultimately that's what gets me excited but i imagine that when i come off the roof um it, it'll probably be for me about kids mm. like even like becoming a parent not being able to have a, um, a child and having a child and how human design has empowered me to be the parent that I am to connect with my kid to like, cause I, I could, would just become that authoritative, authoritative parent. It was like, listen to me. Like I would, like I'm an ego manifester. Um, do it. Cause I said so, you know, which is not, which is not by my philosophies. And ultimately human design is for children. You had mentioned PHS um, and being a parent, if you're a parent looking at the PHS of your kids, we, we, we must be doing this. This needs to find a way to get into school, the school system, mm-hmm. um, or, or create new types of systems to support children. If it's not, there's a lot of, of flaws in the school system, but, um, I wonder about, I haven't, I haven't vocalized this anywhere, but I have, um, a stellium in my astrology in the fifth house, which can be your creativity, but can also be around kids. And I, I find I have a particularly hard time parenting, but like, I don't, but like, it just, it's such a strange concept as a manifester. Cause you have to always be in response and you're like, wait, yeah. wait, what? Like, I love but you, I but why are you asking to. me for something? <laughs> right? Like I adore you, but leave me alone all the time, please. <laughs> and, and then, and then the next breath, my child, my child is my greatest teacher. And it's like, mm. how can I live in this strange complex, you know, um, and I have a, I have a show on YouTube called on the roof where my partner, my six, two partner and I, we just. Um, model this and and be use our own life as examples and point out human design and my little two four mg child is just begging to come on the show like he just <laughs> wants to be a part of it and I'm like okay, it's like it's a little bit complicated but but like if you want to learn like yeah I'll show you I'm all for that but um how how would we talk how would we teach this to kids mm-hmm. you know um so I think I I'm at a position where my child's gonna be seven now this has been his life of 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 you know, what does he know about it? Um, Cause he is, is somewhat fluent in it for his age. And so I think I'll, I'll have to start talking about that with him because mm. uh, he wants to talk about it. And, and what can that look like? This is not the way, but this is a way that I communicate with my kid. And here's what I notice about like his emotional brilliance and um, his two foreness and his, his caveness and his, you know, and it's so, ex- you can just see it in him. 
And then you can encourage it because you're seeing it. You're not conditioning him away from that. And, and where might the world go if, if kids are, are supported that way? Mm. So I would like to see that. <laughs> you know mm. what I mean? I would like, I would to, like see to see that. I would like yeah. to see that. Yeah. I would really love to bear witness to that you know, in this, this life experience. And, um, you know, I've often questioned myself again, very much since understanding I'm a manifester. I'm like, why did I have three children? What on mm -hmm. earth compelled me <laughs> to have three children? Because it's not, it wasn't an accident. You know, none of my, my children were accidents. It was all very, uh, it felt very correct, you know, very splenically well, Holly, you're in four six. I just got to have the you're gonna have. Of course, we're going to have a crop of sixes. <laughs> the yeah. brood, yeah. bring them in, right? <laughs> yeah. But it's yeah. so, it's, I, I very much uh, like understand what you're saying with that weird kind of paradigm of this is exhausting to the point of debilitation. Yeah. This is yes. so exhausting and feels like such a limitation on my energy as a manifestor to also operate as a mother to other energy types or, or even to the same energy type, right? Um, but yet there's something correct about it. There's some, there's some sort of facilitation of initiation in this. There's like, I am here to take this responsibility for whatever journey is being initiated from my role here. I just don't fully see it yet. But there's yeah. something, there's something really magical about that, I think. Yeah. My child, my child initiated my Saturn return. Um yeah, he is, he, you know, he is this, he is my, my teacher. It's, it's so interesting, you know? Um, and I can't imagine being a parent with, without that knowledge now. I just, you know, I, like I, what, what it's taught me since becoming a parent is I just, this overwhelming compassion, self-compassion because my kid is upset and needs me and I don't have the capacity to go be there for them. I really did not learn this the way I needed to learn self-regulation as a child. I didn't, I didn't grasp that. I'm going to really need to prioritize that now because I'm going to need to model that for my child because I can't tell him what to do. He needs to see it happen. Anything that's bothering me about him or irking me, it's because he's picked it up from somewhere and likely me, like me, the one in his environment. So it's an opportunity for me to self-reflect. What can I do? And I, And in becoming a parent, I've learned what I didn't pick up because the family was distracted by death. The family was in grief from losing the father figure. The family was um, in grief from the child almost dying and, and being in survival mode, not in acquiring awareness, not in acquiring, you know, developing how to self-regulate. I'm just trying to hang on. And now seeing my child learning that and, and me seeing that I gotta learn it with him, well, I don't know that I would ever go and learn it without him. Mm. So like, I'm so grateful for him for that, you know? Mm. So true. It's so incredible. And like, true. Holly, I can't imagine having three. Like, do you know what I mean? <laughs> I have one. So I'm like, so like, if there's a whole other complex world that you live in and navigating that, but I also see your fourness really being like just miraculous there, you know? And like, I heard, you could hear your six in your story, you know, and especially the body journey with it. And then, you're doubly transpersonal. Like, like how interesting, how interesting you have a body that's here to become wise. And then you have this mind that is so other oriented. How interesting, like a person who is so other oriented, you know, I think that's beautiful.
Thank and you. And your splenic? Yeah. Like, that's, the most, that's the most interesting manifester. <laughs> like, we all know it. Oh, my God. Like, emotional. No. Okay, emotional. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, yeah. Wait, 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 wait. No, let, let me tell you. Let me tell you. Emotional manifestors are, like, the most complex. You know, there's there's the most information about them because they're the initiators who also have to wait, have that two-step informing process, as I like to envision it. Then we have the ego manifestors who everybody just thinks are like bulldozers who make money, which isn't, which isn't like wrong, but like there's way more to it. And then the splenics, like, what the fuck are they going to do? Like, like, what are they going to do? Like you really, and they're going to, there's going to be like a health story or there's going to be an intuition story. Like they're going to, they're going to be like interesting to watch, but they're also like, like, what the fuck are they going to do? So they're the, they're the most interesting from my position over here. That's when you're like, what's going to happen there? Oh my God. Thank you. Thank you. I, you know, I yeah. am, uh, I love that reflection. I'm also a quad left. And so I, I feel like, you know, just that dynamic, mm. like within my own energy is that I have this structure, this very kind of structured, um, foundational. I like rhythms. Yes. I like organizations. Yes. I like the walls, right. But I'm splenic. So I have no mm. idea what is ever coming or how I'm ever moving. And it always seems big and really expansive and taking me deeper. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's such a beautiful experience, such a beautiful experience. And that's so, it's so funny that you bring that up. I was going to ask what your perspective is, right, on the different types of manifestors because I think that oh, yeah. uh, within our, like, little manifesto pockets, right, <laughs> we're always, like, looking at other, other authorities of manifestors and being like, yeah. oh, it would be easier if I was just like that. Right? It would be like... <laughs> Easier if I didn't have an emotional way. It would be like so much easier yeah. if I could just like go after what I wanted. Um, wait, 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 wait. Can you let's take a moment to honor the emotional manifester? Please. Could you imagine having an emotional wave that you have to ride and then decide when to initiate? I can't imagine that. What no. I you know, that must be a hell of an experience. Mm-mm. So I have like, the most right? compassion. I have so much compassion for emotional manifestors. My eight-year-old is an emotional manifester. And I feel like we either 50% of the time live in the same world. We really understand each other. We really get it. And 50% of the time, I'm like, you're an alien to me. <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> what are these yeah. intense emotions that you have oh, to yeah. experience? And because he's a, a manifester, he's also a single deaf. So he's throat, spleen, oh, root, emotion, back up to throat. Wow. So wow. the intensity, the volcano of his emotions has to come out of his mouth. It has to be he's, expressed. He's very motorized. He's like, very yeah. motorized. Oh, my yeah, gosh. That's, that's energy. Right? Yeah. And so he's really shown me, you know, already in eight years, he's already shown me the value of emotional manifestors. I think that this kind of, you know, narrative about like, oh, they've got to go slower or they've got to wait, like, my child just demolishes that idea. Like he, he lives large. He lives real large like yeah. all the time, whether it's like large anger, he's got real large anger, um, yeah. you know, or, or large sadness or large joy, or just, he, you know, he already has those urges. I love that you call it large, yeah. like large joy, large yeah. sadness, large, like, I love, I'm, I'm, I'm going to adopt that language. Let me just write <laughs> that it, down here. I've got what? large joy today, everyone. Large <laughs> joy today. I love that. Right. And I find a lot of emotional manifestors, um, probably like all emotional authorities, 
it shrink. They shrink that emotion down in kind of in this effort of like, I don't want to be too much, right? That really repressive shadow. Like I don't want to, I don't want to be seen as too emotional or too intense or too sensitive to other people. So I'll shrink it down. Um, and, I, you know, I've witnessed that in my child be a really limiting thing when he's not allowed to do that. He still has to regulate, right? We're still like very much in the thick of the trees right now. We're trying to teach him no, you can't just project mm-hmm, all of your emotions onto everybody all the time. <laughs> like that's not actually acceptable. You've got to self-regulate <laughs> here as well, buddy. Um, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. but also creating that space for him to say, be be as big as you want, be as large as you you want, and just make sure you're informing us, right? And you're you're doing your own work here. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm really curious on what your perspective is, right? When we kind of line those like the three types up together. Mm-hmm the emotional, the splenic and the ego, where do you see the differences? Where do you see the commonalities? What it just generally, what are your thoughts, Vanessa? Well, sometimes people just assume you're a manifester and so you're confident and self-assured. Like I've heard people talk about that and that's, that's so not like, like, especially like a manifester with an undefined heart. um, That's a vibe. Mm. That's a vibe, you know? Um, and, And let's say you're emotional. With, with undefined heart, whoa, that's a, you know, that's a vibe. So talking about the emotional manifester, I, you, you wouldn't be able to say it this way to a child, but this is a way that I kind of talk to other emotional manifestors about their emotions in a way that I, I think gives probably an ego boost, but shows them the, the potential. Anytime the solar plexus is defined, like anytime, it's hella alluring. Mm. Like it is hella alluring. And if you think about an emotional projector pulling their projector aura away and honoring that wave, when they're away, they're their most alluring and powerful. Like we're, uh, we're craving them. <laughs> Let's apply that to a manifester and their impact on you and their effect on your life. And now let's add in this massive potential attraction and allure in an emotional manifester. So let's just say it. That's a sexy person. <laughs> like that's a sexy energy. You Heck know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. So when so when you're in your low, instead of it feeling like like this reclusive, deflated energy, there's a potential empowerment to pull in there. When I'm feeling this sense of like awareness and low, I have the the power of allure on my side. That when I do let myself pull away and I let myself hold my own discomfort, just uncomfortable emotions and discomfort people are going to come to me. (laughs) Like they're going to be drawn to me, whether they understand it or not, whether they reach out or not, they're looking to me now to initiate. They're looking to me now. I still have immense power, even in my low. You know, when when they're reminded of the low, in the low is now here, here's your, your allure is gathering. And we're all feeling that we're all like, like I'm the other manager, like, yeah, what are you doing over there? (laughs) Like we all love it. It doesn't matter what the design type is. The emotional, so the emotional manifester has a big, big time allure about them, but I think that they often miss. I think they often, they don't always realize, um, because it's so hard to see ourselves and we have this sort of shell like exterior to, to keep ourselves safe. But, um, People are drawn to you. Like, you know, like you're repelled. Imagine, imagine the conflict in the other. They're repelled by you and yet drawn to you. And they're like, what the fuck is going on with this person? So they become obsessed with you. And that is the emo manifester in my eyes. You know, you're just the, this 
incredible, alluring entity that we just want to fall in love with. So that's so good. How I feel about that. Because right, otherwise you think like, oh, emotions, chaotic, rah, rah, rah. Like what must an emotional manifestor be like? And it's like, nah, these people can be chill. Like just give mm. them a chance. They just happen to feel things intensely in an intense way. And that feeling is what makes them move through reality. That's how they are guided. You move through, through reality like a flash psh, 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 and these alerts. Mm-hmm. Um, I move through reality in a very rare explosion and the explosion <laughs> itself sends me somewhere. And emotional manifestors, they like whoop, gather their allure and then they have this long jump whoop, and they land somewhere else and then they rest and they, whoop, they gear up. Whoop. I don't know where these sound effects are coming from, but that's how I'm it looks in my mind. I'm loving them. Yes. <laughs> but we're all the ones who move. We're all the ones who initiate and whoop, 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 whoop. we do that on our own. But there are ways in which we move through the fabric of the universe and the universe. Some of us gear up. We we do this big leap some of us have these rare bursts and some of us have these pulse flash when we move around but we're all moving around Mm. you know Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. we're all moving around the fabric of the universe this is how i see the three manifestors don't know this is what you were expecting but i see things as light so it's like that's how they all move around it's perfect Um, and and the emo is complex they're complex you know they're complex. Um, another little thing about them that I see works really, really well is that two-step informing concept of the using the emotional manifester using their aura to push into the other to get the rest of the information they're needing to fulfill their wave. So it's like they want to do something and they know they're going to be needing to make a decision soon. There's likely someone or some place or something they need to go to to press energy out. So let's say they're needing to make a decision to they're in a relationship and they uh, the relationship isn't going well and they know they need to make a decision soon so they go to their girlfriend and they talk and they talk and they talk and they don't know what to do. they go to their other girlfriend and they talk and they talk emotional manifestors can tell the same story to a lot of different people you know because they're not going to the direct person they should probably go to to talk about it in this case the partner so that their aura pushes out the information they actually need to hear to fulfill that wave. Cause then the partner says, yeah, I'm, I'm, I hear you. I'm not happy, you know? And then ah, the manifestor can fulfill that wave and, and do the rest of the informing, but that's never going to come out if they don't use their aura first to get it out. So it's this concept of this two-step informing, using the aura to half inform in a way to say, I'm going to be informing and I know I need to make a decision and going to the right people to help hold you in that. And then being there, and with them, they release the rest of the information that the manifestor needs to sort of indirectly take in and see. And then ah, that's what I needed. Now I know what to do, or I'm going to now see that I need to make my decision soon. Whereas the splenic and ego is not the same experience, you know, and the emotional manifestor can go do whatever they want, but they usually then ah, it's not quite it. If they, if they had just maybe thought about it a little bit more, waited a little bit more um, as the ego being there's energy or there's not. That's, it's very simple. There's energy or there's not. My heart's in it or it's not. And for the splenic, it's, and it's different. If a spl- if a spleen is connected to the heart like that, it's just, it's, it's still fast, but it's still powerful. Like it's like a powerful, fast verse. So that the spleen has this, this sort of like intuitive that guides them. It doesn't make sense. And if they just start informing, like they walk into a place and it's like this, you know what, you guys, this isn't, it. I can feel this isn't it. Let's just go do something else. And they just narrate the quickness. They do just fucking fine, you know, and they're an absolute delight. <laughs> I love them. 
they're just the fun. They're fun. Yeah, we do all right. We do all right. Okay, I don't know. Not a favorite, but those ones are fun. Oh, can we talk um, kind of about that like energetic interaction? I love that you view the emotional manifestors that way. And I feel like that's such an empowering viewpoint. That's such an empowering lens to look at. That's how they look to me. Right? Yeah, I think. And I think that's really correct. Really correct. They're alluring. Mm-hmm. You know, we get like in, in most human design spaces, you know, a lot of those uh, kind of pieces of language and terminology around manifestors is like, you're the lone wolves and you, you know, make your own rules and you go ahead on your own path. And I found that really challenging as a line four, right? Because, yeah, yeah, yeah. right, yes, I have to pull away, right, to be in my own energy. My own energy is sovereign. This is sacred. I have to exist in this space. But there's this extraordinary like safety and love and expansion in collaboration and in energetic connection with people. I think when we're mindful of it and something I've really, really loved, you know, watching you journey through over the last year in particular is using your business to create these collaborative Mm -hmm. partnerships with people. And I think it was, you know, just recently, a couple of months ago, you shared I don't actually think I can work on my own anymore. Actually, I think I've just realized like, I don't, I don't do this well, on my own. You know now. what? You know what that is though? If you're a manifester, you realize pretty quickly you want to build something big, massive and impactful. You can't do it on your own. Yeah. You can't because in order to build it to its full capacity, there's so many things that you may, may initiate and oversee in some way, but you cannot carry out. So you innately realize if we're going to do this, we're going to need others. But we get caught in this little, like, I need no one, I'm self-contained, I can do it myself. And that is completely true. But when you want to manifest and bring something massive in your mind into reality and made manifest, what's the easiest way? (laughs) Like, if you're going to have to literally build a building on your own, are you going to do it on your own or are you going to probably find someone to drive the tractor? You know what I mean? Like, like, so there's, there's, there's that. Um, but also, uh, I have my motivation colors for as well, need motivated and I'm, I'm watching the other in a way Mm. and being an observer environment, I, I need something to watch. And that is what inspires me. That is what gives me that pulse and the heartbeat, like, Ooh, that, Ooh, I want to go towards that based on what I see. And based on my personal experiences I've been before. I can do things for myself, but it's a bit boring to me. It's a bit not interesting to me anymore. And it's what would happen, you know, it's, it's, I love the concept as an ego manifester too, of, of circulating wealth. I don't really care to accumulate wealth, but I care to circulate wealth. That's very interesting to me. What might that be like? Cause I understand if I'm, if I'm circulating it, I'll be taken care of. You know what I mean? It's just this kind of innate concept. I think we carry with some ego definition at times, especially when it's your authority. So it's just, it's more interesting to me to go explore that. Um, I ultimately, we started the app for that reason. The app um, is, oh my God, just <laughs> such a cute little creature. Like we had, okay, so we, we, we I gathered this group of people. I said, these voices, I, here's this vision I have. I feel these voices would go well together. Um, I'm, I'm not sure how we would do this as a way to respect everybody's individual autonomy and sovereignty, but I want to try. Mm-hmm. We're all human design aware beings. We all experiment on our own. Let's try a group experiment. So let's come together for a year. Let's commit for a year and let's take it season by season and make changes as we go. We, we know so much about energetics. We know so much about timing. Let's just go into this collaborative experiment. 
and let's split all the profits. So we were like, okay, like that sounds fucking cool. So we designed these concepts of making shows. It really put me into this producer role that I really wanted to be in, really taking a backseat, really watching people to bring the vision to life. Um, I can do that for myself as well, like with my own shows and stuff, but it's just more, it's just fun to look at someone and see their brilliance and call it out of them and help them shine. That's just interesting to me. I don't know. So my partner and I kind of went more into a production role and um, this overseeing role, and it's leading me to some new ventures that I'm going to come out this year, not in human design, but um, indirectly related to studying energetics and, and rest. So my next expression is coming. Ah! so excited but i'm not i'm not quite i'm not quite ready so so very transparently i'm not quite ready and the app is still new and we're still building the app and and um um i need to now be sort of replacing the the income that i was making before right when i had this academy that was doing really well because i burned it down i have no income from that now and i took some massive risks in that which Mm -hmm. i think manifestors will do do. and i want to build something now um that is foundational and stable from the ground um, up, you know, with what I've learned now, what I what I needed to learn and some of the mistakes I made in my past um, from past businesses. And I don't need to rush. Do you know what I mean? I don't want to rush through it. So what I've done to kind of get myself through it is sometimes too, I have a kind of like an intimate private newsletter list. I'll sometimes open up variable alignments and I'll work with people one-to-one very quietly and privately. And then people find out publicly like, what, this isn't open. And like, well, get on my fucking newsletter list. I don't need to shout <laughs> to the, the social media. It's like, I, I do things over here intimately with people. I'm a private, a private transparent being. <laughs> and, and I really enjoy that because you can really see the effect it has on people. I really learned how much I can handle. Like I can't do that all the time. And I know I've always got that ability in my back pocket. If I need to have to pull it out to take care of me at these times of interim, it used to be write a journalism story or write an article in a magazine or get a column. And that was what I would call on to get myself through the time. And now it's, well, what, what awareness studies do I have at my disposal? What have I learned? And how can I use that to learn more for myself and help somebody hold somebody and help them be seen as well. And so I really think this is a beautiful thing that we do. You know, it helps us as individuals. And I think it, I really feel it's, it's the way of the future to help our, our youth. And it's like an exciting time to be a part of it because it is, we are part of these early learners right now. People don't fully grasp how new it is mm. and how it's still a developing system. And people feel some kind of way about that. You know what I mean? For example, we've never had a six line aware in the first life phase, middle life phase, and last life phase because human design hasn't been around long enough. Mm. So we have no example of that. And human design says all we need are examples of that. We actually don't know anything about the sixth line. We just need six lines telling their stories so we can learn. Mm. He's like, I have theories and, pre- and predictions. He's like, but I'm a five one. Mm. He's like, I have no idea what the six is. Ah, I just love <laughs> that. So let's just live it out and fucking talk about it. Right. And let's look to this. Let's look to people like Kip Winsett, who's the four, six projector off the roof. You know, like, let's look at some of the elders that we have. Let's look at the ones doing their, their middle life phase now. And it's the new ones coming because like the new generations coming into human design are so interesting the way they do, they do stuff. Find this little group that call themselves the class of 2027 because they all came in in 2020 or something. And they That's are so just cool. such a treat. I love watching these people in this. Like they all, they all gather and they all study, do little things. And I'm like, this is... This is great. This is like, 
like we, there's those debates like it's human design is bad on the internet and bad on instagram and it's like no look at these people finding each other this is beautiful it feels so incredibly whole right again again i think that's very much like reflected with my four line it's this space of like can we have harmony in really seeing each other, in really connecting with each other with our own sovereignty, with our own autonomy, right, with our own self-awareness. Like it's, you know, my, my motivation is hope. I'm very driven by altruism. <laughs> can we have a beautiful world? Yes, we can. No, like grab, I'll grab these little <laughs> snippets of evidence to see. I love knowing that about you. <laughs> Love Thank that. you. Thank you. Yeah, Love yeah, yeah. You know, it, uh, that's something that I think that I've, you know, been really journeying through as a manifesto, particularly in business, um, especially over the last 12 months, I'm really shifting into a place of I don't want to do these things on my own anymore and, and I don't even want to do them kind of in the small networks that I've been doing them in because yeah, that smallness has been safe and that's been correct. But I, you know, I had healing to do in that space and now I've done it. Totally. And it's like now, now there's bigger connections, right? Now there's bigger collaborations. I love, 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 love watching you sit back and, you know, t- mm. take that really that embodiment of that initiator role and saying, I don't have to have control over this whole thing, right? I'm, I'm here to initiate you into action and to contribute my skills and, you know, know that I'm looked after in this process, I'll always be looked after, but I don't, it doesn't have to be, you know, the manifesto show. It doesn't have to be just all me all the time going it alone. I really think that that's a, uh, that's a wound that the manifesto collective needs to heal through at this particular mm-hmm. juncture. Right. And, and so seeing people embodying that and informing on that, like you is just so nourishing it's so nourishing. Mm-hmm. It's like, like, look, look at that. Look at that possibility. This is what it looks like. Isn't that amazing? Well, we Isn't all, that enticing? We all study this now, right? Like we all understand the concept of characters. We understand that you're the four, six manifester, h- h- gathering the manifests together. We, astand- we understand this ego manifester over there on the roof, just sometimes shouting things that, that they think are important. <laughs> yeah, like I get it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Maybe some opinions about money and value here and there. Um, but you see like people just settle into their character. And then when you see them doing that, the community is so beautiful because we rush in to encourage each other. And the community is, is you know, moves through these phases of like almost wanting to fight the other or tear down the other but you know you just have to see what's going on and, and let it have time to wiggle out and and it's just part of the process everybody is aligning to their their networks their groups themselves and like we're doing it we're doing it as a collective we're doing it as, as a community i feel like i'm really watching it happen over these years now and it's like it's inspiring holly like it mm. really is it's like it it's it's just the, I think I think this will come to be something that gets more in the collective consciousness and will be more aware of it. Probably just the basics. Like we won't be going into the depths, but if more people just understand what their type is, that alone gives you the grace to know how to interact with somebody in a little bit more way that you're a little bit more informed about them. You have a little bit more awareness of their energy. And, and ultimately we'll get to a point where we don't need that because we can feel it and be able to recognize it just through the incredible sensations our body has potential for which human design really is trying to instruct you about here's what your body can actually do here's what your mind has potential for and when you connect with that and align with that some pretty incredible things are are available to you 
So true. I could legitimately just spend hours talking to you, Vanessa, and lose lose all time. <laughs> because I know I can talk for an hour straight. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so, it's so delicious. It's so, oh, it's just so Thank kind you. of full and, and wonderful. And, um, you. you know, <laughs> we have to wrap up eventually. We do have to come to a yes. closure eventually. We do. We do. So I'm, I'm, so immensely grateful for you being here and just being yourself and being authentic and sharing your energy and sharing your wisdom with us. Is there anything that you are currently doing? I mean, we're going to go live with this kind of at the end of March. So Mm -hmm. is there anything you're aware of on the horizon that you want to share with people about what you're doing or just generally like where they can catch up with you, get in your space, get, get involved with your work? Hmm. I'm going to bravely announce this now and trust myself on timing. Um, but a couple things, a couple things I've siphoned my human design specific content into an app with others. You can subscribe to that app for 1499. We share it all. You're directly contributing to these like fascinating creators who develop tools and, and put them in one place together. And everybody there speaks the language of human design. I've pulled all my personal expressions somewhat away. Um, there's so many amazing teachers and things now that I did not want to continue to hold old messages that I, that I had. So I just wiped it clean and I'm allowing myself to express in the app. If that's where you want to experience my ego energy or my work with frequency healing, you can kind of find it over there. And then this spring, what I'm planning to build, I'm in the process of building now. It's sort of somewhat of a long project is something called the frequency hotel. And the frequency hotel is a manifestation of mine based on my studies in frequency healing. Um, I really wanted to figure out a way to have an, create a massively impactful experience with people while holding respect for that. I'm not quite equipped to do that one-on-one um, or even in groups. I'm very fragile and sensitive in that way, but want to share. So what could I do? What facility could I create to help people find meaning, to help people calibrate their frequencies? And so my partner and I moving through into production and sounds and, and being high sound, low sound people um, with somewhat of strange music backgrounds, we're building the Frequency Hotel. So I'm very excited for that to come out. I will have more information on that when it comes. Um, but I want it to come out in spring. So if this is coming out the end, it's like, here you go. You're the first to know the info. That's what I'm secretly doing and pulling all my social media down. And I'm building a hotel that's only going to exist in the digital realm. Hope you get it. You know, because <laughs> you're because we want to rest. That's all we're interested in doing. There's war going on. Like we just want some rest. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. my gonna the, God. and we're going to explain some theories and concepts around frequencies and what that actually is. So that's what I'm putting my energy into now. And I hope the human community gets it. But ultimately, I'll have to open it up to a wider audience. This is phenomenal Venice. my spleen is like magnetically drawn it's like christmas tree right now it's like when it's like out when it's like out 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 i'll come to you and let you know and i would love to have a dialogue about about how it works and everything but yeah i'm 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 so pulled away building it i'm 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 very left so i'm very focused and i have other responsibilities i could come out and do so learning how to balance that at a multi-arm kind of corporation 
is has been it's been interesting you know mm. it's been a lesson so life is so weird like where's it gonna go i have no idea i'm so up for it like whatever you want to build a frequency hotel you want to have an app sure let's go check the manifestor podcast i love it all i love it all uh, love being alive you know perfect. i <laughs> so agree i'm so with you it's just <sighs> it's just there are no words there's no language for that for me it's just that energetic space of like yes yesness this is all this is all amazing the fabric is widening and you know new things are being created and oh I feel like for manifestors that's that's our heroine like that's our that's our crack I I was up till two last night you know how sometimes your urges can take you to 200 percent I'm like (laughs) man I feel like I'm starting to feel nauseous because my my, I've been revved so long I should probably (laughs) unplug and then I'm like gonna let myself sleep in the next day I've got to do an interview that's all we're gonna do you know what I mean like it's just like (laughs) 200% and then 50% and just like normalizing that as a manifesto. <laughs> right. This is how we live. It's it's completely yeah, it's normal. how we live. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, Vanessa, we will put all of your links in the show notes so people can find you thank on you. social media and your website and all of the beautiful things that you are doing. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being here with us. This is, I mean, just on a personal note, this has uplifted my whole day. I feel yeah. phenomenal. <laughs> Thank I love you for it. sharing your energy. Yeah. I love to hear it. Yeah. A little Thank ego you. boost. <laughs> <laughs> Just in case you needed it, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, thanks for having me. You're an absolute delight. And I hope you have me on again and I can announce details of cool manifestations that I'm trying to call in. Absolutely. We'll chat again soon. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Hunting for Purpose podcast. I hope that my words, my sharing and the spiritual wisdom that came through today's episode have a magnificently transforming impact on your life. If you love this episode, I would be so humbly and truly grateful if you would share it on your social media. You can tag me on Instagram or Facebook at The Holly Marie. And also please consider taking a moment to leave a review right here on iTunes so that this information, this podcast and this spiritual transformation can be spread to even more people. Again, I cannot wait to see you for the next episode of Hunting for Purpose.